everybody. You are listening to the mid-August edition of Bass Edge Radio. I am Aaron Martin, alongside my good friend and BASS elite angler, Kurt Dove. Have you purchased your MegaWare KeelGuard product for your boat yet? Be sure you're getting the most longevity out of your watercraft with the proper accessories from KeelGuard.com. MegaWare KeelGuard, a Bass Edge supporter since 2006. Kurt, we have a big anniversary. Rockets going off, candles being blown out for you as we are celebrating, hard to believe, your one-year anniversary at the mic on Bass Edge Radio. Man, how time flies. Aaron, it is unbelievable. We're going to talk about that a little bit today of all the great episodes that we've had over the last year. We're also going to have a really special guest, a longtime Bass Edge partner with us today in the Lucas Oil Angler Spotlight. We're going to be talking about summertime tactics in August right here on Bass Edge Radio. We'll be right back. You know the importance of protecting your investments, so why use anything other than the toughest keel protector for your boat? Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our patented technology. Keel Guard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick. Their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the most dependable, most trusted keel protection for your boat, guaranteed for life. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick. Keel Guard Keel Protectors. Bass Edge Radio. Commence broadcast in three, two, one. You're listening to The Edge. Everything bass fishing from the Bass Edge Studios. High above Table Rock Lake in the Missouri Ozarks. As mentioned, Kurt, hard to believe we are one year into this with you at the mic. You know, I feel like I've traveled all over the country and never really left the seat of the studio by the <laughs> amount of anglers and just sheer geographic locations that we've discussed. Aaron, it's been unbelievable. I'm so happy that I've been with Bass Edge Radio now for a year, and getting to know a lot of new anglers has been a big part of the fun for me. You know, being able to go back and listen to any of these episodes that we've done over the last year has been a good time. Also, a lot of comedic portions, you know, with, you know, a-listers like Gerald Swindle on and, and, and having a lot of fun with him. But the educational aspects, going from tidal water to how to catch smallmouth up north to going all the way down south into Florida and how to flip that vegetation and stuff, it's just been a ton of fun. But, you know, we're coming all the way back around here. We're in the middle of summertime. I know that you love deep water fishing, and that is where we're at right here in August. It is, and that's something that I think takes a lot of work because it can be intimidating. And one of the things that I look forward to about our upcoming interviews, I feel that we truly have an expert not only talking about drop shotting and fishing vertically, but just also his prowess of using electronics. Because let's face it, Kurt, you know, today's technology, we talk a lot about this. If you don't understand it, I hate to use the pun, but you're kind of missing the boat. Yeah, you are well out there missing the boat. And he's got DVDs out there through Bass Edge. He's done a lot of television shows. This guy has been all over the map that we're about to talk to in our Lucas Oil Angler Spotlight. And actually, here we go. We've got Mike Webb on the phone. Let's get right to this interview and talk to Mike about some deep water summertime tactics. At Legend Boats, we have one agenda, to build the finest bass boat on the water. It's our passion. Our hand-laid hulls and zero-tolerance stringer and transom system give you a smooth, dry ride, even in the rough stuff. The Alpha 211 with its massive fishing platform. The Alpha 199, fast and stable. 
and coming soon, the Alpha 191, a 19-footer with a style, attitude, and a price value all its own. Legend Boats, catch the wave, ride with a legend. More Bass Edge in 30 seconds. First by land and now by sea. For years, Lucas Oil has been a staple in high-performance vehicles on both the road and track. Now, from the makers of Lucas Oil comes Lucas Marine products, specifically engineered for marine applications. Protect and lubricate your marine inboard, outboard, or high-performance boat with Lucas Marine Engine Oil or Lucas Synthetic-Based Oil. Learn more about the complete line of Lucas Oil and marine products. Visit lucasoil.com. regular, whom many of you know from hosting the Bass Edge Electronics and Deep Fishing 101 DVD. He makes his living by having mastered deep fishing and electronics, as well as guiding on Table Rock and Bull Shoals Lakes. He's also owner of Central Pro-Am Tournament Association and the CAST organization. It's none other than Mike Webb. Welcome back to the show, Mike. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Mike, I know as a lifelong angler, you've long been immersed in bass fishing as not only a competitor, but also really is what I would consider a disciple of sharing the sport with others. You're now in kind of your second year as owner of Central Pro-Am Association, and curious to know kind of how that's going and really what's on the horizon for you. Well, when we bought Central, my wife and I, we wanted to change it back to what made it what it was years ago. The past few years has been a one-day format on one lake, and we've put it back into a two-day format on multiple lakes and, and we increased the entry fee kind of we wanted to add a little more prestige to it and you know we're starting to see some pretty decent increase in turnout so uh, we've got some things planned for next year that I think will even help a little more you know Mike our last interview a couple weeks ago in talking with Chad Pipkins and really even the one right before that with Justin Lucas talking about fishing from the back of the boat as a co-angler you know you're kind of graduating the next class of anglers into the sport by offering kind of a pro-am format and giving them an outlet to be able to do that there's a big demand and too, you know, we witnessed this year that we had way more co-anglers wanting to fish than pros. And so there's a, quite a base out there of people wanting to learn this sport. And hopefully with the increase in what we're getting now that we'll be able to draw in a lot more of them. And Mike, I tell you, I was able to watch one of the uh, weigh-ins this year over at Bull Shoals. And man, what a professionally run organization you've got there. If I'm a pro and I'm living in that Missouri, Arkansas area, that's got to be a trail on my wish list to put down on my calendar every year for sure. I appreciate that, Kurt. You know, the serious angler that wants to take a step up, this is the opportunity for them to do that. You know, they don't have to spend 1500 or $2,000 to take that chance. You know, they can spend three or 400 and do that and see if they're ready. And, and we're witnessing a lot of new anglers stepping up that we hadn't seen before. So that's what this sport needs. Yeah, that's for sure. Well, I tell you, Aaron mentioned in the opening of the interview, the CAST organization, which stands for Kids Are Special Too. Can you share with us the mission of CAST and why that is so important to you? Well, I could remember, you know, back when I was a kid, the excitement I would have. I couldn't even sleep at night when Dad would tell us we were going to go to the Gasconade River and go fishing that weekend. And so whenever I decided to take this sport to the next level for me and do it what I would consider on a professional level, I wanted to give that excitement to some of the kids. And so 
I developed and founded the CAST organization, and that's basically to get kids excited about the outdoors, whether it be fishing or camping or hunting, and to try to keep them off the other things that they're tempted with these days. And we started it 18 years ago in one state, and now we're in over 30 states speaking to full schools, and it's just very rewarding to me, very rewarding. That's awesome. I've been able to work with some kids and, and do some different things, and, and I think the feeling and the emotion that you get by sharing a passion and something that you're so dedicated to as we are with the sport of fishing, there's really just not anything that can fulfill that portion when you do those kind of things. It's a special thing that you do, obviously, with this organization and cast. And I got to say, you know, I appreciate you putting it together and, and having it be a part of someone's life. I appreciate that. Being a guide on Table Rocks, you get to take out a lot of kids and their families and to see them catch their first fish and the smile, you know, we've captured many memories for the families there. And it's a cliche, but they're hooked. You know, they really are hooked. Well, and let's face it, guys. I mean, the reality is we are in an addictive sport. And by being able to kind of create an outlet for that addiction, all of us included, it's going to keep us away from other things that are also addictive that probably are not going to be nearly as healthy or fulfilling, whether that be drugs or video games or, or what have you. I'd hate to think where I might be without fishing. <laughs> I hear you. Well, you know, Mike, to kind of shift gears here, it's certainly no secret your love for really setting over top of the schools of bass, reading your electronics, and fishing vertically. How is it that you identified this? Because you were really kind of doing this when drop shotting and vertical fishing wasn't cool. But how were you able to kind of come across this and make that an effective way to target bass for yourself personally? I remember it like it was yesterday. I was fishing Table Rock many years ago, and I saw a school of fish come up out in the middle of nowhere. And, of course, I went over to chase them. When I got over there, I noticed that when the fish went down, uh, I had some crude electronics at the time. I couldn't see a lot, but I noticed those fish when they quit schooling, they were going down to a tree that was about 35 foot underwater, and that's where they all went. And that's where it all started with me. These fish are not pressured, and they're out there hiding. That's where it all started. And so I've just evolved from that one tree and that one group of fish into it, it definitely is my passion. I would rather do that than any other type of fishing by far. Well, Mike, is this a technique that you're going to use year-round, or is it only during certain times of the year or seasonal conditions? And also, is it with any species of bass, largemouth, smallmouth spots, or is it more effective with a certain species? To answer your first part of that question, it's good year-round, but it's least effective whenever the fish are in the spawning mode obviously because they're up near the bank and that. So that six-week time period there in the spring, we usually are not keying on those deep fish. But the pre-spawn and post-spawn and then all through the rest of the year, we key on that a lot. As far as what type of bass, uh, you catch them all. The smallmouth bass, they're more prominent in deep water in the wintertime and the largemouth as well. And when it gets into the heat of the summer on the area lakes that I'm at, the spotted bass, they're the prominent ones that we catch them in. We almost need to add a fourth species to that, which is the mean mouth, the cross between a spotted bass or a Kentucky, as some people know it, and a smallmouth. When you go out to employ this, you know, the drop shotting and the vertical fishing with whatever you're using, are you targeting certain areas for certain species, or are they all running together? Believe it or not, they all run together. They'll even run within the same pack together. In the wintertime, you know, the, the balls are shed. You can see the fish following them and stuff, and there's no telling what you're going to catch around them. Aaron, you and I went out, and you 
know what we did that day down there by Baxter. Absolutely. Uh, we were catching all species of them, but the wintertime is the bigger fish, and the summertime are the numbers. Do you think that's just a behavioral deal? The summertime, you've got more suspended fish that are harder to target. Why do you think that that phenomenon occurs, that, you know, the difference between the winter and the summer? And also, you mentioned the species difference. It seemed like you're catching more smallies and largemouth in the winter and then more spots in the summer. Is that just behavioral patterns, or can you explain that to us? Well, I think in the wintertime, the bigger fish, they've got spawning on their mind because they're full of eggs, and they'll follow these schools of shad and let the little fish bust through them, and they get an easy meal, and that's why in the wintertime, we back off from drop shotting and go to more of the five-inch grub or the bigger spoons and drop it through those schools of shad for an easy meal for those bigger fish, whereas the summertime, it's predominantly a drop shot and occasionally a spoon. Mike, as much as drop shotting and vertical fishing have been talked about over the years, it seems to me at least there's still this reluctance, even almost intimidation by anglers to get out and use or try this technique. Why do you think that is? Well, I'm completely fine if they want to stay on the bank. That's okay. To answer your question, Aaron, I don't know exactly. I think it's a lot of the fear of the unknown. And, you know, I remember trying to catch fish on a spinnerbait 20 years ago, and I just gave up on it. You've got to have a good experience with it. And then once you do, then you're going to go do a lot better. And I think the people that fish the bank, it's hard for them to go out in deep water because they're not casting at something like a rock or a log or a point or a drop off just to kind of roam around out there in deep water and look for fish. It's hard on somebody that's never done it probably wouldn't be doing it today if it wasn't for that one school of fish I saw come up in the middle of nowhere. Well, and to kind of tack onto that, that's really kind of why the whole electronics DVD and deep fishing came out, was to try and put the tools in people's hand, the Bass Edge, and certainly you were a big part of that. But once you experience it, you really realize that there's not a lot to it. It's just more of a self-imposed fear, I think, that we have. Well, it's a confidence thing, and, and in my opinion, there's not a faster way to catch a limit of fish than drop shotting in deep water. It's just not, because it's packs of fish that are out there, and you don't have that on the bank. Yeah, the packs of fish is critical. I think you get all those schoolers, as you might say. You know, that's how you got into it, right? You saw the big school, and that same school is running around there down deep, and you can catch them real quick. Mike, we owe the listeners a quick break, but when we return, let's look at more in-depth the areas you're looking for, the tackle requirements, and, and get even more into the electronic stuff. You're listening to Bass Edge Radio, presented by MegaWare Keelguard. Whether you're on the road, on the water, or in your backyard, there's a super start battery when you need one at O'Reilly Auto Parts. From car batteries to batteries for your lawnmower or boat, every super start battery comes with a nationwide replacement warranty. Starting power, starting performance, and starting reliability, super start batteries available exclusively at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. You're listening to Bass Edge Radio with Aaron Martin and Kurt Dove. We are back on Bass Edge Radio with Mike Webb, and this segment of the show is brought to you by Lucas Oil High Performance Marine Products. From real oil to two-cycle outboard oil that surpasses all manufacturer's requirements, visit them at lucasoil.com. It works. Well, hey, Mike, as you know, it is the middle of August here, and you mentioned this is prime time for vertical fishing. I want to know what types of areas you're looking for. When I go out here to Amistad, do I need to concentrate on points, submerged brush, trees, channel swings? Where do I need to head out looking for these fish? 
occurred on Table Rock Lake and these Clearwater Reservoirs, as it gets into the hottest part of the year as we're in now, these fish will go out off of these 45-degree points and they'll hang out in the trees, whereas up to this point, they're out on those long tapering points out in deeper water. But now they've all got out in the trees, and so that's what we're keen on. We're keen on the trees that are 25 to 40 foot underwater. A lot of times you're going to see a lot of trees at that depth, and you want to key on the tree that is the tallest, and that seems to hold the most fish. You think that's due to shade lines or a bigger piece of cover that they can feel more secure around? Why do you feel like you're looking for some of those types of places for these fish? Well, I'm not 100% sure, but I believe that they're in those taller trees because it gives them a better position for the hiding spot closer to the shed that are going to go above them. That's my opinion on it. Well, and certainly, Mike, I think all three of us would probably agree summertime is generally a time when you have sporadic generation. You know, they're trying to generate power for the lakes that actually have that capability. And certainly when you talk about the points and then 45 degree, you have a lot of current that's coming through there. And um, I would think that that would serve a little bit as an ambush point. A lot of the places that I'm fishing right now are the bends in the lake. I will fish the opposite side, the bluff side, if you will, of the bends of the lakes that we have. And that's where the water flows through. That's what I'm looking at. A lot of people are on the other side on the tapering points and stuff, and there's going to be fish there. But I'm fishing for fish that are not pressured at all and most of these fish on my first initial drop they'll meet the bait halfway down because they're not pressured they're not used to that and that's what I'm keen on and and I'll just float around for hours in my boat and waypointing stuff as I drift over them that people will come by and they'll say are you broke down and stuff and that's how I find these (laughs) (laughs) that's how I find these trees that are isolated with these groups of fish in them. Well and with today's technology being able to set a waypoint on that tree you know it's not rocket science but if they're holding there this August chances are they're probably going be holding there next August as well. You know, you, you speak about dropping your bait through. Let's spend some time on that. What are you dropping down in the month of August to target these vertical fish? Well, if there's a ball of shad close to the area, I will key on a three-quarter ounce webtail spoon. If there's not shad around, I will drop a drop shot down, and I can see by zooming into that tree, I can watch the fish moving in the tree so I can keep my bait out of the tree limbs and the danger of getting hung up, and I will put a half ounce just a casting sinker, the one that's got a swivel on it, below a hook, about 18 inches. And I usually use, if I'm Texas rigging, I use a number one, and I'll use a four-inch small drop shot worm, either purple or plum colored is what I key on mainly. And then I put a swivel above that just a little bit, and that eliminates the line twist as well. And that's what I'm using, and that's the area I'm keying on. But, you know, I find it interesting because obviously I've fished a lot with you, Mike, and really I would credit you as getting me introduced to deep fishing, vertical fishing, drop shotting. But I found it very interesting concerning that casting sinker that you're talking about on the bottom. You know, you don't have to go out and spend $2 a sinker to get a drop shot with a, you know, it's got the line clip on it that's tungsten or something like that. You can go out and buy something that we used to throw when we were kids for catfishing. And then, and then also it was just a little bait holder hook, you know, because I know there's two different ways that you can kind of rig it, whether it be Texas rig or or wacky style, is there any determination of or, or thought process that goes into how you're going to rig that? In the open water, like when I'm fishing in uh, the post pond on the flatter points, a lot of times I'll nose hook those or wacky hook those, and I'll use a number four bait holder hook to do that. But as the middle of August right now, the predominantly fish are buried in trees. I will up that size of that hook, and I'll Texas rig it to where I can get it in and out of the trees and stuff, because a lot of times on those high-pressure, no-wind days, those 
fish will go halfway or to the bottom of those trees, and you can see them moving, and you can pull them all the way out of there by Texas rigging that little four-inch worm. What about as far as how much are you moving the bait? Is it a drop-down, let it set idle, or is this something that you're providing any action to? Well, when I get somebody in the boat with me, normally I've witnessed them move the bait too much. I mean, you got to remember this is just a worm. It's not a worm on steroids. And, you know, a worm just doesn't move much down there. So just in your mind, I just kind of make the tail move is all I try to do. The only time I will change that is if a fish continually comes up and looks at the bait and goes down in there, and you've seen that happen a lot. If that continues about the third time that fish is on his way up to look, I will reel away from that fish a couple of turns and create a reaction by then that usually triggers him to get a hold of it. That's funny, Mike, you say that a worm on steroids. I, I've seen that a lot here guiding on Amistad, and people just want to try and impart way too much action. They don't realize the beauty of the drop shot is that the weight is not connected to the bait and the bait's already free flowing and having some motion itself so that's a great tip and something that's often overlooked i tell you i'm really trying to expand my lure choice on vertical drop fishing like you're talking about you know everybody talks about the drop shot a lot of people talk about a spoon what are some other baits that you will fish vertically that maybe you know our listeners and myself can expand our offering in this type of fishing well for years it was a secret among the guides down here on Table Rock when this become well known now is especially in the wintertime we will use what is called an ice bait. There are times that that's all I have tied on in the wintertime, and it's actually just called a jigging shad wrap. They use it for ice fishing up north, and you hook tie it in the middle on top of it, and we will drop that down to the bottom because there's not any electronics made that can show you the true bottom of the lake, so the fish will disappear, and you lower it down to the bottom, and you reel it up until you see it, and it'll raise the fish up off the bottom, and that bait can be very, very deadly, especially in the wintertime. They have three sizes, and the middle size is the one we use the most. Interesting. So I need to go check out my selection of ice fishing lures to help me <laughs> expand. I like that. I, that's a great tip. And, and uh, I'll definitely be looking at that bait and be checking out shopping carts and tackle stores all over the place. Well, now, Mike, you weren't supposed stuff. to tell him that because obviously I kept my ice bait box separate from him when he came up and fished with me. And so now you're, you're letting the secrets out. That's what this is all about, brother. I haven't told him how to use it yet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, hey, you mentioned, you brought up a good point concerning electronics and showing the true bottom. And I would say out of all the questions that we get at Bass Edge, we are probably most inundated with electronics questions here at Bass Edge. And like I mentioned before, that was really the main reason for coming out with that electronics and deep fishing 101 DVD and having the ability to really go into great detail on that very subject. But for the purpose of this interview, give us a few pointers from the DVD concerning electronic selection, budget, and, and really how to set them up so that we know what we're looking at. Because if you don't know what you're looking at, this can be a brutal technique to try and learn. Just forget it. That's right. Uh, some of the top things that we talk about in the seminars, and I'll refer back to some questions I've gotten many times, and the number one thing I can tell your listeners is if you are seeing a fish symbol on your graph, you're in trouble. Uh, you need to take the fish ID off, and Aaron, you know what I mean, because any time that that sonar hits something solid in the water, it'll come back as a fish symbol, and you'll be fishing for a tree or a boat dock cable, so take the fish ID off. That's so the fish, one fish really don't stack, you know, 50 and 60 deep on top <laughs> no, of one another? No. 
know, that's the best selling tool electronics has ever had, having a hundred different fish symbols on there. Yeah, but take that off of there. And another big question is how much do I turn my sensitivity up? Any more on these electronics, if you put it on auto, like it comes from the factory, it will adjust itself pretty good. I prefer manual so I can put the most power I want in it. But if you do put it on manual, raise your sensitivity until it starts interfering and then just back it off a little bit. And that's going to change with the depth of water too. But those are the basic things right there. And any electronics you buy today that is a colored screen, which most of them are a five-inch colored screen or bigger, you're going to be able to see your bait on it. And years ago, not even that long ago, six or seven years ago, you had to concern yourself with how many watts was in the unit, the pixel count and all that. And anymore, that's just the way they come. So if you have a color graph that you buy off the shelf today, you should be able to see your bait on it. Mike, can you talk briefly about the cone angle? Because I think there's a common myth out there that, you know, it's, it's shooting down in a straight column, whereas that's not exactly the case. It's kind of going out at an angle, and obviously the deeper the water, the bigger that cone is. Yeah, the cone angle is one that people don't understand real well because they can't find their bait or they see it halfway down and then they don't anymore. A cone is just what it is. It's just shaped like an ice cream cone. starts narrow, gets bigger. Traditional 20-degree cones that we have on the electronics is a one-third ratio, meaning that it's one-third as wide at the bottom as it is deep. So in 30 foot of water, you've got a 10 foot wide cone at the bottom. That's the good thing to remember on that. And just remember, if you're standing on the deck of your boat, your boat may be four foot wide. So there's four foot of it right there. So you have a small area to work with there, which is why I choose the rods I use and the way that I fish, because on windy days, it could be hard to keep those in the cone. And so I want every advantage going my way. Mike, you've got a lot of experience with Humminbird and Lowrance. I know you currently run Humminbird now. What are the major differences that anglers need to be aware of between those two brands of electronics? Both of those electronics are the two best in the market for what we're talking about. And I would put them like a Ford and a Chevy. I mean, I really would. I think the Humminbird is easier to use. I like them because they're put together 100% here in the United States. They have a 72-hour turnaround time. But as far as the units themselves, there's not a lot of difference. There really isn't. They're both really good graphs. Well, guys, it is time to really engage in the listener giveaway $100 gift card to O'Reilly Auto Parts. And we're going to mix it up a little bit this week, Kurt. We are having a listener answer a question and awarding him the gift card. And our original question came from Robert Blom concerning a Minn Kota iPilot trolling motor. And since none of the three of us actually have one of those, we can't effectively comment. However, Gary Shinstead of Burnsville, Minnesota, kindly sent in a response after hearing our request during episode number 163. And Gary's response is as follows concerning the Minn Kota iPilot. So Gary says the major component of this system is the handheld remote. It provides to me an added measure of safety and versatility. I have the remote attached to my inflatable life jacket. If I fall in and the trolling motor is on, I can stop the boat or even drive it back to me with the remote. Or if I'm fishing with my son, he can have the remote in the back of the boat and take control anytime if I need to attend to something like land a fish, retie, take a break, or whatever's happening in my fishing day. The major operational aspect of the iPod is what Minkota calls advanced autopilot. 
No matter the wind or the current, the boat will follow a straight GPS line down the shoreline that can be adjusted as often as you want by just a tap of either the pedal or the remote's directional control. The other feature I would like to highlight is the spot lock function. I call it my electronic anchor. With the touch of a button on the remote, the boat is held at a stationary GPS point so you can retie, have lunch, drop shot over a spot on a spot. My main complaint or problem that I've seen with the motor in general is that it's susceptible to weed clogging when running at slow speeds. Otherwise, I could not speak more highly of the product for how it has enhanced my fishing enjoyment. Well, thanks, Gary, for helping us out, and congratulations for being chosen for the O'Reilly Auto Parts listener question segment. O'Reilly Auto Parts, the professional parts people. Gary, simply send us an email and let us know that you heard your answer. That's that's kind of quirky, but that's great. Heard your answer on the show along with your mailing address, and we'll get you that $100 O'Reilly Auto Parts gift card sent out. Just a reminder to include your shipping address when you send your listener question to support at BassEdge.com or post them on the Facebook page for a chance to win that $100 gift card from O'Reilly Auto Parts. Well, guys, you know, uh, after hearing that, it reiterates how smart our uh, listener base is out there, and thanks, Gary, for sending that in and you know Mike one of the things that came up as a result of that that I did find interesting you had brought it up as far as trying to hold when it's windy out there being able to spot lock that I mean how many times have you been drop shotting you catch a fish and you got to get down and the wind's blowing next thing you know you're 100 yards off your spot every day and, and I'll say something about that I pilot I'm seeing more and more of the guides down here going to those and I've actually witnessed them using it I really think this is something you're going to see more and more people going to I am looking at getting one myself but the guides that are using them they can go and tend to the back plant in the back of the boat and keep the boat where it needs to be. It's a really great idea, especially for guides. That's some fantastic technology at its best right there and hard to believe where we're going to be at in eight or ten years. But regardless, we've kind of reached our limit here, Mike. It's truly been a pleasure talking with you. Any closing thoughts or comments before we let you get out of here? Just that I caught my deepest fish I've ever caught this week, Aaron, and I caught it 84 foot on the bottom. Holy and cow. That's crazy to even think about that, but those are fish that are not bothered and again i saw them go down there on the graph dropped the bait down and caught them you know it was a 15 inch kentucky but that's where he was so you know up until then 70 foot was a max but uh 84 foot this week i bet that fish probably needed a suntan by the time you got him he, up. <laughs> he needed a little help <laughs> but uh, he made it just fine that's awesome well good deal mike best of luck in the upcoming year let's take a quick break you're listening to bass edge radio presented by megaware keel guard Now you can order Bass Edge Season 3 on DVD. Own the best resource for tips and techniques in bass fishing as host Aaron Martin tackles lakes across the country with the industry's top pro anglers, including Denny Brower, Boyd Duckett, Randy Howell, and Dave Wolak. This two-disc set includes all 13 episodes. That's over 10 hours of Bass Edge, including interviews, bloopers, and highlights, all for just $19.95. Order online at BassEdge.com. And be sure to check out previously released DVDs like Bass Edge Seasons 1 and 2 and Electronics 101. Bass Edge, Season 3, now on DVD at BassEdge.com. Patented in 2000, perfected over years of testing and real-world punishment, the Power Pole is the ultimate shallow-water boat positioning tool. Swift. 
Powerful deploys in seconds from anywhere in your boat. Virtually silent. Powerful won't spook wary fish. Secure in strong currents or gusting winds in up to eight feet of water. Engineered to take it with a lifetime unconditional replacement guarantee on the spike. Powerpole. Swift. Silent. Secure. Visit Powerpole.com to find a dealer near you. Hey, everybody. I'm Justin Lucas. I'm Jason Christie. This is FLW Tour Angler Brian Thrift. I'm Kevin Hawk, BASS Pro Pete Ponds. This is Skeet Reese, and you're tuned in to Bass Edge Radio. Well, it's always fun talking to someone that's been with Bass Edge programming for such a long time. And Mike Webb, uh, you know, another great interview from Mike. I got to tell the listeners, they need to check out BassEdge.com or the Bass Edge YouTube because Mike has some outstanding bloopers that have just got to be watched. He's been with us a long time, so we were able to have a lot of fun with Mike. And it's something that every listener needs to check out online once they jump on there. You know, Mike talked a little bit about some additional ways he likes to vertical fish you know really intriguing to me Aaron was the ice fishing lure I'm gonna check that out online do you have any other specific ways that you like the vertical fish beside the standard drop shot or spoon well I do and keep in mind this is a topic that probably warrants multiple episodes so we're trying to cram the high points to get people set up to where they can have some success right out of the gate but Mike had brought up the spoons and I think one thing to keep in mind to take it even a step further on the spoons is the color variation a lot of people are familiar with the silver spoons. One of the things that's popular kind of on the White River chain of lakes are the white spoons. Those work extremely well. You know, we even kind of go as far to pick up a gold spoon, but also one that's I don't feel is covered quite as much is a chartreuse spoon. And, you know, in the wintertime, changing those colors, the water is typically way clear, a lot more clear than what it is at other times of the year. Sometimes just based upon cloud cover or lack thereof, you know, you change that color and you're going to generate that strike. Also, he briefly touched on it, but that was actually drop shotting a grub. That is a technique, Kurt, that I feel is often way overlooked when it comes to the vertical fishing or the drop shotting is just lowering that grub, maybe a four inch or a five inch grub. Smoke color is is normally my preference. Lowering it straight down, trying to hold your rod as still as possible. And the reason being there is because we're dropping it into the school. But remember, most grubs, single tail grubs, that is, just the water action or the wave action or any movement in the boat is going to cause that tail to flare. And we're talking again, both in the summertime and the wintertime, that subtle movement often generates a reaction strike because it looks so much like the real bait fish that they're actually feeding on. Yeah, you know, these conversations always get my mind wondering and you start talking about a grub and now I'm thinking about a lead head, you know, just on a grub, vertically fished right under the boat. You know, there's so many options out there. You just want to make sure as anglers, we never really get pigeonholed into just thinking there's only one way to do something. But Aaron, I tell you what, we're out of time. What an awesome interview again with Mike and a lot of great conversation continued here on Bass Edge Radio for episode 166. I am Kurt Dove for Aaron Martin. Thanks for listening to Bass Edge Radio. We'll see you next month. You know the importance of protecting your investments. So why use anything other than the toughest keel protector for your boat? Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our patented technology. Keel Guard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick. Their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the most dependable, most trusted keel protection for your boat, guaranteed for life. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick. 
Keel Guard Keel Protectors. The Edge is presented by Keel Guard. For more information on Bass Edge or to shop at the Bass Edge online store, visit BassEdge.com. And be sure to join Kurt Dove and Aaron Martin right here on another episode of The Edge. Brought to you in part by Legend Boats, O'Reilly Auto Parts, Lucas Oil Products, Mercury Marine, Power Pole, and Rapaholic.com.